Welcome, everybody. My name is Caleb. I am, if, you know, if you're a rising freshman, you probably know my wife, Emily Fowler. Um, yeah, I grew up going to the youth group, started in fifth grade, and uh, yeah, went through junior and senior high. I ended up, um, I gave my life to Christ at an early age, but um, really solidified it and made my faith my own in, in junior high. Um, and then, yeah, I just became really passionate about being in God's Word um, and sharing the faith. Um, so they used to do, used to be called SEMP, what is now, I think, Lead the Cause. Um, we went up to Moody Bible to basically share our faith on the streets and learn how to street evangelize. And I fell in love with Moody Bible, and it was like, always in the back of my head, I was like, I would love to go to this school. Um, but God had some preparation for me to do and to get my crap together so to speak uh so yeah he did that that was humbling but anyways um yeah i'm now at moody bible doing online classes as i'm working and taking care of my wife um who is seven months pregnant now so we got a little baby coming along um yeah so this is my final year in moody bible and it's been really cool and um so thrilled to get to speak today i'm not, I don't love public speaking, so thank you for bearing with me. Um, but yeah, uh, let's just open up in prayer. Lord, um, I just thank you for this time we get to open up your word. Um, and I just pray that your word is spoken truly to the hearts of each listener today. Lord, let your name be glorified um, and set apart. We thank you and praise your holy name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, so if you guys will turn your Bibles to Acts 19. We are going to find Paul. Let's see if there's a clicker here. Um, oh, do I point it this way? Probably. No. It might not be on. Probably not. Yeah, if you just want to click through, Dennis, that would be great. <laughs> okay, we tried. So this is Paul. He's on his third missionary journey. He is in, finds himself in Ephesus. Um, interesting thing about Ephesus is the Ephesians, if we look at Paul's later book to the Ephesians, that is one book where Paul kind of doesn't lay into them because a lot of the other books he's talking to different churches that he's already ministered to. And in the book of Ephesians, Paul actually provides a lot of encouragement um, because they were living out their faith well um, and carrying on the gospel. And one of the reasons for this is because Paul spent so much time ministering to the Ephesian church. Um, he spent a total over two years there, and he preached every day for about five plus hours every day. Um, first in the synagogue, as we'll see in the chapter here, and then later at the house of Tyrannius, I think. Um, we'll look at that in a little bit. But anyways, he's, it was because of the time he invested that they were able to really hear God's truth, um, and these, this church really lived out their faith. So, all right, turn your Bibles to Acts 19, through, 1 through 10, and we will begin. 1 through 7, sorry. All right, Acts 1 through 7. And it happened that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul passed through the inland country and came to Ephesus. There he found some disciples, and he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, No, we have not heard that there is a Holy Spirit. And he said, 
Into what then were you baptized? They said, Into John's baptism. And Paul said, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in the one who was to come after him, that is, Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they began speaking in tongues and prophesying. There were about twelve men in all. So, yeah, in Ephesus, Paul discovers some disciples of John the Baptist. Um, they're kind of in halfway point between the Old and New Testament. So John the Baptist was the prophet that basically, he was actually the final prophet, and he laid the foundation for Christ to come. He was, John the Baptist was the cousin of Jesus, the Messiah. And if you read in the Gospels, you see uh, John saying, um, yeah, basically, I'm preparing the way for the Lord. And so Paul meets these guys, and they had only heard John's message prior to Jesus coming. And so they kind of knew the gospel, but they didn't know who Jesus was, which is kind of an essential part of the gospel. Um, So Paul shares the gospel with them and tells them that the power of salvation through Jesus, Jesus' name. And they come and surrender their lives to Christ and are born again. And upon being born again, they receive the Holy Spirit, which each of us as believers has indwelling inside of us. So we're going to look at <clears throat> what the role of the Holy Spirit is. Before we do that, I don't, have you guys, do you guys remember the difference between prescriptive and descriptive language? Anyone think of that? Some of you freshmen may have not heard, but uh, anybody? Yes, prescriptive. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, that's right on. Yeah, prescriptive language um, is, is something in the Bible that we are to take to heart and carry on in our faith. Descriptive language is when it's describing something, basically. Um, so here we kind of see um, these 12 uh, disciples of John the Baptist who have never heard the name of Jesus um, and this is more descriptive in the way that we might not meet a lot of people who are kind of in that position, who have heard some of the Bible but don't know who Jesus is. Um, in our Western culture, at least, we, we see most people have heard of the name of Jesus. But it's prescriptive in the way that it describes the important role that the Spirit has in each life of the believer and the entire body of Christ. So... We'll click to our next slide. The gift of God's indwelling spirit. Um, yeah, God's, God's spirit lives inside each of us upon receiving salvation. So, and this is a verse in Acts two thirty-eight through 39. It says, And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. So I think this verse is so beautiful just in the way that he calls us his children and he comes to reach each of us. And so can anyone give me an example of why the Holy Spirit is so important just to kind of get you guys thinking about it? 
What's one aspect of the Holy Spirit that helps us in our faith? You got this. All right. It's unity. Unity is one aspect. So good, guys. So good. <laughs> That's what I'm looking for. Uni- so the Holy Spirit unifies us as the body of Christ. And unity is essential within the body of Christ. As believers, we are each united by God's Spirit and called to support and build one another up. Paul specifically addresses this issue and provokes us insights into how we can encourage unity to grow within the body of Christ in Ephesians 4, 1 through 3. I think I had that on the next one there. Yeah. So I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been. Yeah, the calling to which you have been called. And with all humility and gentleness and patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. So here, Paul kind of gives us insight into how we can live out unity as the body of Christ. So the Holy Spirit unites us together, but it takes work to actually live that out and to stay united as the body of Christ. Once we start kind of living out our own life, doing things our own way. We see division happen all the time in the church. Um, And yeah, it grieves God, and he wants us to be united. So some of the ingredients he gives us here to be, practice unity as body believers, is humility and gentleness, patience, bearing with one another in love, and eager, eager to maintain the unity of the Holy Spirit and the bond of peace. So, the Holy Spirit is also referred to our helper. Um, He's our constant companion. He walks with us through every season of life. Um, Yeah, it's it's given me such encouragement throughout my years of, you know, knowing that God is always with me and that He's inside of me. It's easy to forget because we get distracted by the things of this world. Um, But if we come back to Him and remember that he's, He's there with us, He's walking alongside of us, Um, And God gave us that promise. When Jesus was here on earth, his disciples were discouraged because he was telling them, hey, I'm going to basically die for the sins of the world. You know, um, they were like, what? What are you you talking about? And he's like, well, listen, I'm going to give you a helper um, that's better equipped to be with you all, always. Because Jesus, God in the form of man, was only to be able to be at he, he took on the physical form, so he could only be at certain places in certain areas at one time. The Holy Spirit, God's Spirit, lives in each believer. So, God gave us this Spirit, and it says, I will ask the Father, this is Jesus here, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be with you. John fourteen sixteen through 17. So if you look at the next slide, um, this is an example of a stained glass window. Um, and, you know, to be honest, I found this quote on a Logos study. I don't know who Claire Booth Luce is. It's a cool name. Uh, but <laughs> I like the quote, the portrait of a saint, i.e. a Christian, is only a fragment of a great and still uncompleted mosaic the portrait of christ 
So each of us, if you imagine each of us as a little piece shard of glass, you know, a shard of glass is cool, but it's not as beautiful as a mosaic, a stained glass window. We don't have stained glass windows, I don't think, here at RBC, but if you, you know, you're familiar with old style churches, you'll see these in churches. Um, and yeah, so each one of us has this unique gifting, this unique ability. You're placed in a unique place to bring forth the gospel and to build up the believers around you. But if we're not united together, if we're trying to do things on our own strength um, and just be in a nice little shot of glass by ourselves, we're pretty worthless. So we need God's Spirit to unite us and we need to put in the work that it takes to love one another and to build one another up. Um, So yeah. Be the beautiful mosaic. So now I'm going to go into take five minutes to do some table questions. All right. So can anyone tell me why was it important for Paul to address being baptized in the name of Jesus? Yeah, that's that's true. That's true. That's true. <laughs> Good word. Good word. Anybody else on 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 yeah, receiving baptism in the name of Jesus and receiving the Holy Spirit? What well, was important for John to tell him that? Be bold. Come on. There we go. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly right. Jesus was our savior. He's he wasn't just some prophet. He was he's the Lord. That's good. Awesome. Well, thank you guys. Um we are going to go to Acts 19, 8 through 10. We get to the next slide there. Um, And he entered the synagogue and for three months spoke boldly, reasoning and persuading them about the kingdom of God. But when some became stubborn and continued in unbelief, speaking evil of the way before the congregation, he withdrew from them and took took the disciples with him, reasoning daily in the hall of Tyrannus. This continued for two years, so that all residents of Asia heard the word of the Lord, both Jews and Greeks. So, as I talked about before, Paul's here, um, and he's preaching. uh, Yeah, I did some research on this, and he was preaching five hours every day, six days a week. um, Basically during um, the siesta hours of the days. So, I think it's like 11 a.m. to 4 p.m. So, during... these ancient cultures, people had a siesta, which we should re- em- implement back into America. That would be nice. Um, and people were off, so they were able to come and hear um, Paul preach the gospel of Christ. And Paul, yeah, Paul was devoted to preaching the word so that all in that area could hear. And we see he's there for three three months in the synagogue and kind of gets kicked out. So he's like, all right, well, forget these guys. I'm going to the house of the whole of Tyrannus. And uh, he continues preaching for two years. Um, and so to the point where it reaches all across Asia. Now, the gospel spread 
not just because Paul was so cool, but because God used Paul, and he also used the listeners that heard the message of the gospel, who heard God's word and believed in their heart enough to take it back home with them and to share with their friends and their family members. So kind of in the same way, we're called to, to hear God's word and to take it to heart and to take it into our own situations we're placed in each day. Because, you know, I can't reach the people you're, you're interacting with on a daily basis and vice versa. You know, we need each other. And it's so important for us to realize, like, we have a responsibility if we truly believe, you know, in the power of Christ's resurrection, the power that's changed our lives. We have the responsibility to share that with other people if we believe that sin separates us from God. You know, it's discouraging because, you know, I mean, it's, it's scary um, to share your faith. I'll be honest. You know, I don't do it enough in my own life because it's uncomfortable. But if we truly see people as, you know, the Bible tells us, that is our greatest need. Our greatest need is Jesus. You know, and the best way we can love, truly love people, is by sharing the good news of the gospel with them. So, and that's something I need to remind myself on the daily, too. Because, you know, it's, it makes, it feels more easy just to make people comfortable when we're talking to them rather than step into that uncomfortability and share the gospel. But when someone's, you know, hurting and sick and we don't do anything, you know, that's negligence. So, I don't know. Uh, the, <laughs> the table questions for you guys, we have two more here. Uh, and I'll just give you a, a few minutes to discuss that, and then we'll come back. Okay, all right, we'll continue on, because, yeah, I didn't realize we we made it through 10 verses. Okay, Acts nineteen eleven through 20. It's a little bit bigger. Uh, and God, doing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul, so that even handkerchiefs or aprons that had touched his skin were carried away to the sick, and their diseases left them, and the evil spirits came out of them. Then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists undertook to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, I adjure you by the Jesus whom Paul proclaims, seven sons of a Jewish high priest named Sveka, we'll say that, were doing, doing this, but the evil spirit answered them, Jesus I know, and Paul I recognize, but who are you? And the man in whom the evil spirit, uh, in whom was the evil spirit, leaped on them, mastered all of them, and overpowered them, so that they fled out of the house naked and wounded. This became known to all the residents of Ephesus, both Jews and Greeks, and fear fell upon all of them. In the name of Jesus, the Lord Jesus was extolled. Also, many of those who were now believers came, confessing and divulging their practices, and a number of those who had practiced magic arts brought their books together and burned them in the sight of all. And they continued the value, uh, counted the value of them and found that it was 50,000 pieces of silver. So the word of the Lord continued to increase and prevail mightily. This is the word of the Lord. Uh, so we see here, yeah, that Paul, God, God empowers Paul to do extraordinary things. So this is an example of 
descriptive language here. Um, it doesn't just specify that Paul was doing mirac- miracles, but extra- it specifies extraordinary miracles. God was at work in a specific time and place, allowing his, you know, allowing the Spirit to work through Paul, so that people were healed to the point where even Paul's handkerchief, when people touched it, were healed. Um, and this God used to further the kingdom. You know, there are certain times and places that God, you know, will do miraculous works. Um, but it isn't, you know, necessarily, we're not, we might not see this in our own life, but don't be discouraged. God's going to work in and through you, you know, in, in unique ways if you're following him. So, if you don't heal people with a handkerchief, do not be discouraged. God is at work, you know, if we follow him. Um, so, yeah, we look at verse 11. The Lord confirmed Paul's ministering, ministry by empowering him to do extraordinary miracles. So this is God's confirmation that God is with Paul. Um, and we see in verse 12, uh, we look, look at the handkerchiefs or aprons. These were kind of pieces or garments that Paul would have had as a tent maker. I don't know if you guys knew this, but Paul also worked to make money um, and was a tent maker. So these were things, you know, on his person that he would have had uh, a handkerchief or an apron, and people touched and were healed. Um, So, seeking God's power for selfish gain. We look at these Jewish guys, um, and these Jewish... um, guys were basically had been practicing exorcisms they had these whole rituals that they would do to try to cast out demons and they see Paul ministering and doing these crazy works um, in the name of Jesus and they're like oh something's something's interesting about this name of Jesus so they go and they try to use Jesus's name for their own gain basically and so we see that kind of backfire on them when they leave the house uh, naked and afraid, essentially. Um, so this in- incident contrasts Paul's power and apostleship with the impotent attempt of Jewish magicians to exploit the power of the resurrected Jesus. Now, Paul was not just another first century charlatan. He was an apostle appointed by the Lord Jesus Christ. Even the demons knew his name when we see that, you know, the demon responded, Jesus I know and Paul I know, but who are you? So they kind of call out the, it's interesting that, yeah, even, even the demons know and shake at the name of Jesus. But we are not to misuse Jesus' name for our own glory. And these magicians, they didn't know, they didn't believe in the name of Jesus. They just wanted to use his name for what they wanted, essentially. So, in the famous quote of Uncle Ben from Spider-Man, with great power comes great responsibility. God's power is not something we are to misuse for our own gain. So when we, um, yeah, when we try to use God's power for our own gain, it always backfires on us. Um, We can look at an example back, I think, yeah, it's also earlier in Acts Ananias and Sapphira, who were judged because they bo- their botched attempt to commit fraud. Um, this, I don't know if you remember Ananias and Sapphira. They, people were coming and believing in the name of Jesus, and they were going to the apostles and offering up 
gifts you know, to the Lord. And these guys were like, we sold our house, and here's... You okay? <laughs> ah, yes. Falling down over there. <laughs> these guys, yeah, they, they basically said, hey, here's all our profits that we made from the house. We're going to give it to the Lord. But they lied, essentially. They, they held some of that money for themselves. It wouldn't have been wrong for them to hold on to some of that money and give, you know, a portion of that to charity. You know, we, we do that all the time when we tithe. But they lied about it and they said, no, this is all, all of it. We're giving everything to you. And, you know, when they lied essentially to the Lord, they, they were punished for that because they misused, they, they lied to, to God. Um, so that's just an example of misusing um, yeah, God's, God's name and mislying, essentially. Sorry, I kind of had a brain fart there. Moving on. <laughs> so, and then we look, look down later, we see um, people who do repent and believe, and they were, they were practicing magic. Um, and they were like, well, we've got to get rid of these magical books. So they burn them, and these 50,000 pieces of silver, it, each piece of silver would have been worth a day's wages. So we have 50,000 days worth of wages burned up because they were so committed to serving the Lord and not following, um, yeah, following evil anymore. So something we can kind of take from that today is that God, Paul honored God and served him in humility. So we contrast that with the actions of these Jewish guys. And one and two aspects is that Paul served the Lord and he was humble in spirit. So God, if you, I think if you look at the next slide. Humility and honoring the Lord's name. So, yeah, for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. And he who humbles himself will be exalted. So we see this. And through all throughout the Bible is God continually raises up leaders from the humble in spirit. You know, we, have, we see that in the book of Judges when Paul raises up Gideon. He was the lowest man on the totem pole in his tribe and he raised him up to be a great leader. Um, and we see this time and time again. The people humble in spirit who are willing to surrender to God's ultimate authority and don't say, hey, I, I got it all together. You know, I'm the man. You know, God, God wants a humble and moldable heart. Someone that surrendered to him. Um, you know, take that with the grain of salt. Because there can also be false humility. I've struggled with that in my own life. Of constantly beating yourself down. And saying, you know, I'm nothing. You know, I'm you know, not worthy. No, we are called worthy. You are, you know loved and redeemed so there's there's that you know balance of being humble but also knowing the grace that and the freedom that you've been called into by the name of jesus um so and then yeah another key takeaway is yeah not uh misusing god's name and being reverent we see that in exodus um when it says, you shall not take the, Lord, the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Um, so God's name is to be 
yeah, held in reverence. This isn't just when we say OMG or whatever. Um, it's misusing God's name for our own glory. An example um, I've seen in my own life is, you know, some people will try to use God's name and say, oh, hey, you know, like, uh, go up to a girl and say, like, oh, yeah, God was telling me we should be together. You know, that kind of thing. Like, I'm like, okay, you know, all right. <laughs> so, you know, maybe they, they were being well-intentioned, but we've all seen that kind of thing happen, and we are not to misuse God's name because it is holy and set apart. Um, so, our final table questions here, I think, is the next slide. Yeah, um, yeah just take a couple minutes to discuss that, and then we'll wrap it up. Yeah, so got, we're going to go over the final, just read the final verses so that you kind of get a picture of the chapter. Um, okay, here you go. Now, after these events, Paul resolved in the spirit to pass through Macedonia and Achaia and go to Jerusalem, saying, After I have been there, I must, al- I must also see Rome. And having sent into Macedonia two of his helpers, Timothy and Erastus, he himself stayed in Asia for a while. About the time arose no little disturbance concerning the way, for a man named Demetrius, a silversmith, who had made silver shrines of Artemis, brought no little business to the craftsmen. These he gathered together with the worksmen in similar trades and said, Men, you know... I'm just going to summarize this for you guys because it's a long one. You can skip. All right. Um, so basically, this dude, he's a silversmith. Paul goes and, um, yes, continuing to preach the word. This silversmith gets pissed off because Paul has taken away his business. Um, and he gets kind of a mob together. And they're like, let's get this guy. He's stealing our business. Um, and basically, it's kind of, he, Paul receives some op- opposition. But yet still people continue to follow Paul. So we see, you know, some people get mad at Paul and some people follow the Lord Christ through Paul's ministry. So we'll see that in our own lives, you know. But um, we're encouraged uh, to take heart because Christ has overcome the world. Um, You can just skip to the last one here. Let's see. Um, God has already won. That's good. Yeah. God has already won. I love this verse. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, who gives us victory through our Lord Jesus. And another verse is um, <clears throat> where we see, you know, John sixteen thirty three. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. So we can be bold and be encouraged, because we have God's Spirit living inside of us, and knowing that Christ is already won the final battle. Um, So, just closing, you know, think about different ways um, you guys can build one another up in love and serve one another um, and take the good news to the places in which you've been called. All right. I appreciate you guys listening to me and uh, hope you have a good Sunday. (laughs) 